Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Today, we're going to um, do a little bit of a, maybe a history lesson in a way, but uh, tell you a little bit about um, some of the history of Brisbane, where it's been, how it was designed and where we're heading into the future. Yeah, welcome back again. It's um, great to, to have your company. Uh, we thought we'd take a little bit of a dive into the reasons why Brisbane is laid out as it is. Um, obviously, we've got a very particular style of architecture in the homes and in our properties here in Brisbane. And uh, not only that, but we've got a very um, remarkable way that the, the city has been sort of planned and set out. And there's real purpose behind that. Uh, Brisbane is quite different in terms of its density when we compare our city um, against the likes of Sydney and Melbourne. And when we take a look back at the reasons why that has occurred, it, it really is quite interesting. It not only tells us where we've come from, but it also helps us to understand what our city might look like in the future based on, you know, the way it was designed originally. Yeah, so it is, it is very interesting. We, we found it interesting. We read this article and um, it's quite amazing how back in the days so long ago, um, which we'll touch on in a little bit, um, how they actually thought ahead and, and designed Brisbane as a city itself. Uh, we talk about large blocks of land, used to be called 32 Perch, which is the 810 now. Um, but it's amazing. We, we also had, have a discussion occasionally about um, current conditions with COVID on maybe part of it is contributing why we're doing so well because we do have bigger blocks of land. We're a bit more spread out. We get a bit more fresh air and we're probably not all living in each other's pocket and on top of each other. Yeah, in fact, when we talk about the density of the city here in Brisbane, large scale, high density housing develops never really development, sorry, never really materialised until the most recent city plan, which was 2014. Um, I think I read somewhere the first high density development in Brisbane was not until the 1960s. And prior to that, we were very much a low density city. So there's a real purpose behind that. Um, and that's what we're going to be you know, tackling today. So let's let's jump into how how um, we were designed um, compared to, and this will probably compare to Sydney and Melbourne, if you like. Um, Brisbane's always been probably known as the. Uh, I knew it initially. I come from country New South Wales. I lived in Sydney for a little while, um, but Brisbane was always a bit of a country sort of city, a country if that makes sense, country a, a country large country town or a small little city. But um, we'll just touch on how it was sort of designed and then go in. Go a bit of a time time frame, and we'll jump forward to where we are and where we're heading to. So, how did we um how did we come to have these bigger block of land, blocks of land, Linda? Yeah, it's really interesting because um, as we transformed as a city um, from the free settlement period in the mid eighteen hundreds, um, the Queensland government here observed that there were a lot of slums in Sydney and Melbourne, and they were quite concerned about that, according to history. And what they noticed is that the pattern was repeating here in Brisbane. There was a lot of unregulated development happening and there were some impoverished high-density neighbourhoods starting to emerge and that presented as a health and fire risk. So it was already starting here in Brisbane and then obviously um, the the track sort of changed quite considerably. So... Moving forward, oh, that's early 1800s. Um, now, I believe 1864, is that correct, was the Great Fire? 
Yeah, apparently in 1864, a great fire came through Brisbane and it destroyed at that time um, about 50 houses. And, you know, that doesn't seem like a lot, but that was the majority of the city. And it was... it occurred in the areas around Milton and the inner city CBD. And this is where a lot of those high density housing areas were developing. So subsequent to that, um, they had the opportunity to rebuild the city in a way that prevented the risk of future fire damage. So those of you that don't know Brizzy um, overly well, Milton is, oh, what are we, one, two k's from the CBD uh, approximately, uh, yeah. 4X Brewery, just a couple of little landmarks the forex breweries in milton and it's just next door to uh, suncorp stadium which used to be lang park yeah and i think the big development came in 1885 where the government passed um, what was called at that time the undue subdivision of land prevention act Uh, Now, it was really progressive at the time because it set a minimum size of 16 perches or approximately 405 square metres for all future subdivisions of land in the city. So that's the start of how Brisbane came to be. um, And it was on the back of, you know, the risk associated with future fires. And they really wanted to de-densify the housing and not have terrace housing where, you know, fires could Um, burn through and destroy, you know, areas very, very quickly. Okay, so a question that I have probably here, which will answer a lot, um, I get you to answer for everyone. I mentioned a 32 perch, which is obviously 810 now. You've then mentioned a 16 perch, 405. Why don't we have all these 405s? Why have we got 810s in amongst everything? Yeah, it's a good question. And, you know, what happened back in the day is the standard lot size was, you know, the 16 perch. Um, However, many middle and upper class citizens opted to buy two of those titles or two of those uh, blocks of land and they were able to build larger dwellings across the two titles. Now, if you remember back, I think it was back to episode number six, six, where we spoke to the town planner, Alex Stefan, we did talk about why, you know, we've got a lot of these properties that sit across two titles here in Brisbane and that's the history behind it. So the upper class used to buy two blocks and build larger homes across those two blocks and that's how the 32 perch properties came to be. Can we move forward a little bit very quickly, um, probably around the wartime? Um, I know you've mentioned there about we talked about the 810s, 32 perch, 16 perch, 405s, um, subdividing them into two. Were they the only, I know we've talked on, I think it might have been with Alex as well, Stefan, um, about are they the only types of uh, subdivision type of setups there were? Weren't they? Didn't they do widow? Yeah. So when when some of the men went off to the war, um, instead of having the alignment of the two titles um, with the subdivision directly down the middle, so um, you know down with two ten meter frontages, some of the men before they went off to war actually made some boundary realignments, uh, whereby they made a diagonal um, subdivision, which meant that the wives couldn't sell off um, part of the block whilst they were away at war. So again, something else that's marked in history. And we still sometimes see the, you know, double blocks or the 32 perch blocks that are what we call the widow um, subdivisions because they've got a diagonal purpose. Okay. So we probably, we jump back in time again (laughs) uh, and head back to um, things like services for, for sewer that type of thing, how did that all sort of work through then? 
Well, obviously, because the idea that the government had back in the day was to create larger blocks, it meant that the city had to expand more rapidly. There was less densification and that meant people lived further away from the CBD. So we started to see um, the development of some public transport systems. Now, um, we started with um, horse-drawn trams and then in 1897, electric trams came into play Um, They operated alongside um, what came to be as the the current train system as well. Uh, But the electric trams uh, in 1969, they were removed and now we've just got the the electric train system, which was upgraded um, over those years as well. So we had quite a sophisticated public transport system. It was definitely ahead of its time and that created or allowed for the city to expand and that's when we saw some of the, um, you know, suburbs uh, or, or development along the, the transport corridors and in those days it was the tram corridor and the train corridor and we saw suburbs starting to be developed. And certainly in the post-war period, um, whilst you know, generally across the nation, there was uh, not much money. Um, the style of homes changed, but we saw a lot of the regions that now are occupied by post-war dwellings pop up and, and they were much further out from the CBD and uh, and that's how they came to be. And there are still some train lines, uh, tram, sorry, tram lines, I believe, over Camp Hill, Cannon Hill, over that way. Yeah, along, along Old Cleveland, Old Cleveland Road. Road. Evidence of the old tram lines still exists. They've, they've kept the tram lines there. There's a couple of plaques there as well. Yeah, interestingly, what that um, created was a bit of an issue for the services. As Scott touched on earlier, um, the biggest problem that council had was the um, sewerage reticulation system because as we had this urban sprawl, we could access the locations, but the services couldn't keep up. So Brisbane largely became a city of thunderboxes or outhouses. Um, And it wasn't until in the late 1960s that um, a lot of upgrades were completed and we um we went about to to become you know more more upgraded as a as a serve as a city so the thunderbox um probably out the back a little uh shed with a with a with a pan or something that um they sit on with the red back uh red back spiders yeah it doesn't sound like a, a nice thing when we look back to to see how our parents had to live but um i do know a lot of the old queenslander homes had the toilet uh built on to the rear of the property and um, I believe that was an addition once the thunderboxes were no longer required and people could use the normal sewer system. So we might jump forward. Um, have we covered most of the, the design and the history of, of Brizzy there to, to come forward in time? Absolutely. I believe we have. Um, uh, the only other thing I'd like to say historically is that, you know, um, people talk about proximity to the CBD aligning with social class right now um, across different uh, capitals around Australia. But historically here in Brisbane, um, the social class was determined by the height of the land, believe it or not. So um, the topography determined uh, where people lived. Those that were more wealthy lived on the hills and the ridges. Um, that's where the well-off people were located and the workers were confined to the low-lying areas in the valleys and um, along the rivers. So there you go. It's Mm. interesting how times change. So we'll jump jump a long way forward now and probably bring you back up now to probably around the times when Brisbane really changed. Um, We talk about how Brisbane is changing and we'll we'll go further into that, obviously. Um, So the first town plan, 
Yeah, so a town plan defines how a city is to be built. And the first town plan for Brisbane was adopted in 1965. Um, It's sort of aligned with sort of when private motor vehicles became um, a lot more commonly used as well. Um, So the city needed to be planned and and built out. And we saw uh, the council start to regulate how people could use the land and, and what could be built in certain locations. So then we hit the 1970s. Um, obviously, people that are of a local, and I think we might have actually spoken about, again, if we go back into some of our episodes, uh, we talk about flooding. Um, we had the 74 floods that hit Brisbane. Um, that was that was quite devastating. 8,000 homes destroyed, estimated $980 million in damage. Um, so that changed a lot of Brisbane and also how uh, they developed Wivenhoe Dam and, and things like that. Um, Brisbane then in transport wise, when you touched on that, um, we, we started to grow so much that the construction of the new Southeast freeway along the Riverside Expressway began. Yeah. So that aligned with, um, more and more use of private vehicles for transportation and, uh, people relied less on public transport. And in fact, when the council, you know, um, removed all of the tram lines or all of the tram use around Brisbane. That that was the real driver for people to start using private transport. There was talk, um, which we read in history, that they were also going to remove the train lines at that time. But thankfully, they kept those because they are now a major transport corridor that uh, people do rely on to get in and out of the CBD. So that's in the 70s. Now, I actually watched a bit of a YouTube clip the other day. It was quite funny. Um, there was no Teslas or uh, any cars like that. It was a, a lady in a, uh, a little red mini miner. So that was the, uh, that was the car that they had in that, that film clip, which was quite funny to, to go back in time like that. I think one, um, one thing to note is that uh, Brisbane is a city that has rapidly grown in its population over time. And even if we look from the 1970s um, where we had under, you know, uh, well, we had 905,000 people as the population, current population in Brisbane is um, just over 2.5 million. So we are a rapidly growing city, not only in the way our infrastructure is being developed, but also in the number of people that um, are living here. And therefore, that's rapidly changing the way we do live and, you know, the way our city is continuing to develop. So back in the 70s, and, and I do touch on a few sport things here occasionally, um, the only really major thing that Brisbane sort of held was uh, some tennis tournaments around the Milton Tennis Centre. It was grass um, tennis courts there. We moved forward into the 80s, and, and I think this is where Brisbane really started to change and, and really grow. Now, we're only talking 40 years ago. That's, yeah. That's not a long time, really. I think that was a decade that actually put Brisbane on the map, and I remember growing up in Brisbane at that time. Um, I was primary school going into high school throughout the the 1980s um, as well as the fluoro colors and the teased hair um, we definitely had a lot of significant events that that came through in Brisbane um, the first of those being the 1982 Commonwealth Games yeah so 82 Commonwealth Games held at QE2 Stadium uh, over at Nathan and also in the Sleeman Sports Complex, which is actually still, both complexes are still currently used, been upgraded a little bit over time. That's out at Chandler. And um, the mascot was Matilda the Kangaroo. Yeah, who could forget Matilda with all of the kids that jumped out of its um, its pouch um, with the trampolines. It was, a, it was a moving moment. I still remember it myself. And I think Matilda's now parked up at New Seville for anyone that um, hasn't yet 
met Matilda the kangaroo, you can uh, go and visit it along the um, the waterfront there at Noosaville. So another major um, event that happened in the 80s was World Expo 88. Um, the expo was brought into Brisbane same year as the um, the Bicentennial celebrations, which happened down through the First Fleet coming into Sydney Harbour. Um, but yeah, World Expo 88 was an amazing thing for Brisbane and really changed Brisbane. And that was something that um, absolutely put Brisbane on the world map. We had world leaders come. The Queen, Queen Elizabeth II came to open the event. Um, ticket sales exceeded all expectations uh, and it really... Uh, allowed people it was a transformational period it um as living in brisbane at the time i remember you know attending world expo and it was it was sort of a life-changing experience because we'd never before experienced crowds of that type or the excitement and the hype associated with such a huge event um, and I remember lining up to get into pavilions of, you know, all of the the different um, countries around the world to learn. And um, they, it just felt like such a festival. Uh, and I think from that moment on, you know, Brisbane changed. Um, and certainly when we look back in history, we know that um, the nightlife started to become more active here in Brisbane as a result of World Expo 88. Uh, and the organisers then wanted to ensure that the legacy lived on. So the um, the area, which is now South Bank, um, went through a few proposals of how it was going to look post-Expo, but um, ultimately the facility has become a recreational area where people can go to enjoy the city, um, a man-made beach, you know, lots of uh, rainforest and other parkland and picnic space and as well as some restaurants and bars and entertainment precincts. So it really has become a destination in itself, but it's all off the back of the memory of World Expo in 1988. Yeah, it's really changed down in South Bank now. There's convention centres, there's oh, there's a rainforest as well, picnics, picnic areas, playgrounds, bars, restaurants. Museums, uh, cultural centres, yeah, performing very arts complex. It's a very popular destination. And, and changing dramatically. So um, look, that that's that's the late eighties. We we the, also just as a note, Brisbane Airport. They used to run, I think it's called the Kingsford Smith Airport. It was a small one. Um, in nineteen eighty eight, the the uh, Brisbane Airport actually opened up the domestic terminal. Obviously, that um, you know was a had the the effect of bringing more visitors to the city as well, uh, which aligned with the World Expo opening. And um, yeah, since then, obviously, the airports have only continued to grow with the opening of the second runway just this year. So as we jump then forward into the 90s, and, and that really started to change Brisbane, we started to host a lot more major events. Um, we held World Gymnastic Championships, World uh, Hockey Champions Trophies. Um, the International Airport opened in 1985. It really started to change Brisbane and things moved ahead um, dramatically. I and think you lost 10 years there. The um, airport international opened in 1995. 95, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, then, and then you move forward and we'll just jump a little bit forward now, obviously, into the, the 21st century, which is when Brisbane has just absolutely changed dramatically. We've, on, on the map, with, we've hosted Goodwill Games. We've had World Cup uh, Rugby League Grand Finals. We've had the, the G20 um, Brisbane Summit, which had all the world leaders come here. Um, so it really has put us on the map and, and attracted a lot of attention. And not only that, I think that, um, you know, Brisbane now has become a city. We've really grown up and we're no longer the the sister or the baby sister to Sydney and Melbourne. We've become our own destination. And, you know, with the infrastructure that continues to be 
um, constructed and, you know, proposed for our city, uh, the future only looks positive for where we are heading in terms of, you know, becoming a destination. Now, obviously, how that relates back to to the way we live and, and property, it, it's all relevant in that we we we've not only got to understand you know historically where we've come from but we've got to understand where we're heading and what our city will look like in the future and we get a pretty good understanding of that when we um, you know take snapshots of different eras in our history to understand you know what are the big events that changed the way we live uh, what are the big events that you know caused us to to have the architecture and the the land size that we do have and and what does that look like in the future yeah so it's funny, like you look over those, if we said just the, the last 40 years and the things that have actually happened, um, th- there's some big things and, and they were big at the time, but then you look forward to what's actually happening now and what is planned now. We talked about in episode, I think it's four, um, back a while ago about some of the infrastructure, um, Howard Smith Wharf, Roma Street Parklands, Queen's Wharf, Brisbane Riverwalk, the Queen's Wharf Casino, um, the Clemjet, the tunnels that have been built now throughout the city, airport links, um, the airport itself with an extra runway, uh, cross river rail happening. So all of that infrastructure, they are they are so major compared to what has actually happened and what it's actually going to set Brisbane up like in the future. Yeah, one thing that um, you know, I often remember, you know, living in Brisbane and growing up in Brisbane and we lived out in the suburbs in the Morton, what is now the Morton Shire. It used to be the Pine Rivers Shire, as most people did. And, you know, I remember we all commuted. We'd jump in the car every Saturday. Uh, we were hockey players and we'd come into Downey Park, which is in Windsor, um, just three to four kilometres from the CBD. And I distinctly remember driving in every Saturday morning and thinking, oh, wow, this is where all the poor people live. And the reason I had that thought was because that's where all the old houses were. And, you know, little do I know that I'm in a suburb just a stone's throw away from Downey Park right now. And that's where, where I live. And, um, you know, how times have changed because, you know, back in the 80s, um, it was very desirable to be in a home out in the suburbs and to commute. However, as time has changed um, and has as Brisbane has grown up and as our property market has become more uh, densified, I guess you could say. The appeal for being closer to the CBD has changed. Um, As our roads have become more congested, our reliance on public transport has increased once again. And some of the decisions that were made by previous councils and governments to eliminate some of the public transport options because people could rely on their vehicles have really potentially backfired because now we find ourselves in the situation where we're we're looking at lots of other public public transport options to ensure that our CBD is still accessible uh, based on the the way our city has been designed and laid out. Yeah, so look, I hope I hope some of that information has been a little bit helpful. What does it have to do with property? Well, I mean, we, we do talk about quite a lot about capital growth um, and buying in the right locations and things like that. If if you'd known what you know now back in 1970, 1980, you probably, if you could afford it, you probably would have bought 10 or 20 properties closer to the CBD um, because of the capital growth, because of the change that actually happens and how we progress as a city. Uh, looking forward, look, it's probably going to be the same type of thing. Uh, Brisbane, we're at this stage, we're bidding, looking to bid for the th- 2032 Olympics, again, that is going to change like it did back at the Commonwealth Games, probably even so much bigger. 
Um, but it will change us again and again, and we will grow properties in the right locations will go up in value. So it relates to the property market as well as how, how the um, how the city changes. Yeah, I think when we look at, you know, Brisbane as it is today, um, you know, we, we know from our look back in history that it's very intentional that we are a low density city um, and that we're quite spacious in comparison to the likes of Sydney and Melbourne. Um, our streets and our suburbs feel very ordered. Um, there's a lot of architectural diversity um, and that has come from the fact that many of our homes, you know, are protected from demolition and yet because of the value in the land, people have been, you know, further subdividing back into those 16 perch allotments. So we've got a mix of some of the older traditional homes um, in amongst some newer builds. Um, and that makes our suburbs, you know, quite interesting and certainly architecturally diverse. But, um, you know, most importantly, we're very livable and, you know, people not only come for the, the lower density living, the backyard, uh, barbecues, but they also come for the lifestyle that our climate and our um, location brings. Yeah, look, it's a um, fantastic place to live. I think Brisbane, we, we might be a little bit biased, but um, I think it's great if you're looking to move up here. Um, get to know it. We do the insider secrets occasionally. We've done a couple of suburbs and areas recently. We'll keep going onto those ones. Um, but yeah, hopefully um, that's given a little bit of an insight into the history of um, Brizzy Town. Um, just a, another quick one. I had a call um, from someone during the week. I spoke to somebody who had contacted us. Um, she said she loved our, our podcast. She's told all her friends about it. Can't wait for Thursdays for the pod podcast comes out. So Thank you very much. Really appreciate the feedback. Um, hope everyone else is enjoying it and we can help people with property searching um, going forward. And um, look, until next time, I'll let probably Melinda wrap it up here and um, we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Yeah, so thanks so much for joining us. It's great to talk about uh, Brisbane. Uh, we're no longer a big country town. Uh, we are definitely growing up. Um, I know that a lot of Southerners still call Brisbane a bit of a country town because we're uh, much further behind in terms of the development of us as a city. But, you know, we believe that brings many opportunities, um, especially for people that own property in the city, because we know the direction we're heading and we can see the infrastructure that is coming. And it's really exciting, especially, you know, having grown up in the city and seen this transformation in my lifetime. Um, I get really excited about that. So thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great to share this information with you. Please don't forget if you do have any questions at all, please get in contact with us. We're happy to help um, by answering people's questions or requests for information that you'd like us to touch on. Um, don't forget to share this podcast with your family and friends. And by all means, please leave us a review, five star if possible. Um, we'd love to get your feedback as well. Until next time, enjoy the rest of your day and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.